Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, can you turn, open your Bibles to Numbers 20? This year, we looked at the book series on the book of Numbers. We are now at chapter 20. Numbers 20, verse 3. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Now here's something you should know. Every historical event or human interest story has an outside and an inside. Every story, every event has an outside and an inside. The people quarreling with Moses, the people expressing their unhappiness with his leadership, the people blaming him for their present predicament, that's the outside. The outside of an event or story is how external observers would have seen it or how eyewitnesses would have recorded it. Verse 13, these are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. The biblical narrator, however, reports it differently. He sees it from God's perspective. That's the insight. He chronicles the people quarreling with Moses, but gives an insider view that the people are actually quarreling with the Lord. Now, if the outside, what is being chronicled is history, the inside, what gives history its deeper meaning is theology. So in summary, something you should know. Outside, how eyewitnesses would have seen it. Inside, how the Lord would have seen it. Outside, surface meaning. Inside, deeper meaning. Outside, history. Inside, theology. If you were to step outside our century, if you were to take a look at a mini exhibition out there, when he says, my life, his story, it is talking about the outside and the inside. My life, outside, his story, inside. So to all the youth, I wish you a God-blessed youth Sunday. And I trust that indeed, as you continue to trust the Lord, not only for your inside, not only for your outside, but for your inside, I trust each one of you will be in God's hand like Aaron's staff. The staff that budded, the staff that blossomed, and the staff, in, to the glory of God, bears fruit. I emphasize all these things, the outside and the inside, as you read the stories out there. I emphasize this because we often miss the real significance behind an event or story. We get so caught up with the outside. We are so concerned with the outside. We are worried with the external circum circumstances. We are often unaware of the inside, of the reality, 
of how God sees it. So let me ask you this question. I believe the youth have been doing this. So let me ask the rest of you. Have you considered your story lately? As you read those stories out there, will you pause a moment and ask this, what about me? What is my story? Now, most of us can probably tell one another the outside, the events and happenings of our life. But here is the key. Do you perceive the inside as well? Your worldview, your inner values, your real beliefs and intentions, your relationship with God. What God would have said to you concerning your outside. Moses struck the rock. The water flowed abundantly. The, the people and the animals drank. You see, the outside of this story seems straightforward enough. Apparently, ending even on a satisfying note, at least for the people and the animals. But the inside is another thing. It didn't go well for Moses and Aaron. Moses, by striking the rock, has violated God's holiness. He has usurped God's power and place. He has defamed the name of God. It revealed the insight. It revealed the state of Moses' heart. So the Lord said to Moses, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So we have fruitful ministry, bringing water out of the rock. Fruitful ministry, but on this occasion, faithless minister. That is why I've been saying all this time, or last Sunday if you recall, just because the ministry seems successful, it doesn't imply that the minister is successful. Because God can bless the church in spite of the leaders. Because God, our God, is a gracious and compassionate God. So here in this case, fruitful ministry, bringing water out of the rock, but on this occasion, faithless minister. So, once again, have you considered your story? You know the outside. Some of you probably have even kept diaries recording the events and happenings of your life, faithfully jotting them down. But do you know the inside? You see, only God knows the inside. So the Lord in His mercy revealed to Moses the errors of His ways and their consequences. There are consequences, not just consequences of Moses and Aaron not being able to enter the land, but there are other consequences. That's why I titled my sermon this morning, More Bad News. Let's look at our passage this morning, verse 14 to 29. Verse 14. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that we have met, how our fathers went down to Egypt 
and we lived in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, He heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard to drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. But Edom said to him, You shall not pass through, lest I come out with the sword against you. And the people of Israel said to him, We will go up by the highway, and if we drink your water, I and my livestock, I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. But he said, You shall not pass through. And Edom came up against them with a large army and with a strong force. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. So my first point here, we have the appeal to Edom. The, the, the place name Kadesh is derived from the Hebrew word meaning holy. There, the Lord showed himself holy. Now, that is bad news for Israel. A diplomatic embassy is sent to the Edomite king. Thus says your brother Israel. Now, Jacob out of which came the nation of Israel, and Esau, out of which came the nation of Edom, were brothers. Moses' appeal to Edom is made on the basis of a prior relationship. You know, all the hardship that we have met, Moses said to Edom, our descent into Egypt, our extended sojourn here, Oh, sorry, our extended surgeon there in Egypt, our ill treatment in the hands of the Egyptians, our deliverance from them, our arrival at the edge of your territory. Please, let us pass through your land. Now, Israel even offers favorable terms. No dwaddling about in grain field or vineyard. No drinking water from a well, no deviating from, a high, from the highway. But Edom refuses. They say no. He even threatens war. So a second attempt at diplomacy follows. Israel offers to recompense the Edomites for any water consumed. I will pay. If I drink anything, if I eat anything, I will pay. Now this reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter 2. Verse 4 to 6. This is what the Lord said to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. 
You shall purchase food from them for money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. You see, according to the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses later tells the story, when Moses recounted the story again, he says something that is not said mentioned in Numbers. According to the book of Deuteronomy, Moses' diplomatic appeal to Edom was divinely sanctioned. Edom, however, flatly turns it down. He even reacts with a show of military might. Now, not permitted to engage Edom in battle, Israel turns away and skirts the territory of Edom. So here's bad news number one. No highway. No access to the trafficable route that connects the Arabian Peninsula to Damascus. No easy travelling for the people of Israel. Now, for all this time, I've been talking about the outside. I've been describing again for you the outside. How should we understand the inside of this event? Jewish rabbis much later attempted to explain Edom's hostile response. They suggested that Edom was exacting revenge for the original conflict between Esau and Jacob. If you look carefully, there are parallels between the two incidents. Remember, back then, Jacob was returning to the land of Canaan from Haran. Now, Israel is returning to the land of Canaan from Egypt. Back then, Esau met Jacob with a force of 400 men. Now, Edom met, meets Israel with a large army and with a strong force. Back then, Jacob got the upper hand. But now, Esau, through his descendants, settles account with Israel by refusing them entry. In other words, according to the rabbis, the insight of the event is nothing more than Edom wanting to take revenge on Israel. According to the rabbis, it is basically a family of origin issue. It is a family field that has lasted generations. The Esau-Jacob animosity has become the Edom-Israel acrimony. Well, I do understand when it comes to deep hurts, deep pains caused by other people, especially family, People like elephants have long memories. We remember. We don't forget so easily. You see, unresolved hurts and hates perpetuate from one generation to another, to another, to another. It begins with a slight. It escalates to a skirmish. It ends up in a siege. Well, according to the rabbis, perhaps the lesson here is to teach us to stop feeding our hurts and hates, to nip them in the bud, to root them out, lest they defile our children and our children's children. Perhaps there's a lesson there. Be careful what you pass on to the subsequent generation. Your hate can become your children's hate. Your dislike can become your children's dislike. And they can be magnified far deeper than you think. So be careful of what you say about other people, especially members of your family. 
to your children or to your children's children because they can perpetuate. Mommy don't like this person, it perpetuate. Daddy hate this person, it perpetuate. Edom's bitterness, the rabbis concluded, is the main reason behind their refusal. According to the rabbis. Let me offer an alternate inside story. You see, the rejection of Israel by Edom is placed between Moses' rebellion and Aaron's death due to the same rebellion. In my considered opinion, it was Moses' sin more than Edom's bitterness that is the main cause behind the unsuccessful appeal. God would show himself holy. He will not permit his holy name to be defamed. That is bad news for Israel. God disqualified Moses and Aaron from entering the land of Canaan. He now also withdrew permission or his earlier plan for allowing the people of Israel to use the king's highway. I believe it is the consequences of Moses' sin. I will show myself holy. You will not take the route in as I originally intended. You will skirt the territory of Edom. The fault is not laid at Edom's feet, but at Moses and Aaron's. You see, God stirred the heart of Esau to welcome back his brother Jacob after many years of exile in Haran. Remember, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. He hated Jacob. But God so stirred the heart of Esau that he welcomed back his brother after many years. God could have easily done the same thing. God could have easily and similarly stirred the heart of the king of Edom to welcome back Israel. If God wanted to do that, no problem at all. Because God also stirred the heart of the king of Persia, Cyrus, to allow the people to return back to the land of Canaan. But he didn't. In my considered opinion, he didn't because of Moses' sin, because of the rebellion of the leaders and the people. You see, sin and rebellion always lead to divine discipline. When Paul later picks up from the book of Numbers, this is what he says. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now, these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Brothers and sisters, this is a warning we must take seriously. At the waters of Meribah, Moses, the servant of God, Moses, who spoke face to face with God, failed to take heed. He allowed his emotions to get the better of him. He spoke rashly to the congregation. Hear now, you rebels. He struck the rock out of anger and frustration, so he fell. Corinthians also reminded us this in the following verse, verse 13. 
First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptations to sin are sure to come. I will be tempted many times over. You too will be tempted many times over. Satan, our enemy, will seek every opportunity when you have lowered down your guard to catch you unawares. So our Lord Jesus warns us again and again, and now the Apostle Paul warns us again and again, our, our spirit is willing, flesh very weak, Temptations to sin sure to come. What happened to the people of Israel can also happen to the people here in GFC. What happened to Moses and Aaron can also happen to our leaders. We think that we are standing tall. Let's watch out that we do not fall. You know, I wonder how Moses felt when he realized, when the Lord reveals to him the mistake. When he realized and he learns that there are consequences that can impact other people as well. All of us can recall the sin of David when he counted the army. What happened after that? God, choose, God asked him, choose for yourself which of these punishments I will give. And many people died because of David's sin. David is alive. The rest did. So that's bad news number one. No highway. You see, sin has painful consequences. Consequences that impact other innocent parties. Consequences that impact events much further along. Let's continue our story. Verse 20. And they journeyed from Kadesh. And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came to Mount Hall. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hall, on the border of the land of Edom, let Aaron be gathered to his for he shall not enter the land that I have given to the people of Israel, because you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up to Mount Hall and stripped Aaron and his garments, and put them on Eleazar, his son. And Aaron shall be gathered to his people, and shall die there. Moses did as the Lord commanded, and he went up to Mount Hall in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments, and put them on Eleazar, his son. And Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. And Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. And when the congregation saw that Aaron had perished, all the house of Israel wept for Aaron 30 days. So next we have the accession of Eleazar. Miriam is dead. Next is Aaron. He was Moses' partner in the rescue of Israel from Egypt. He was Moses' spokesman. 
He was the one who supported Moses' hand on one side at a fight with Amalek. He was also the one who built the golden calf. He was inaugurated as Israel's first high priest. At the rebellion of Korah, he was the one who stood wielding his censer between the living and the dead, acting as the priestly mediator. But for his rebellion at the waters of Maria, he is now due for an enforced retirement. He is no longer fit to be high priest. His place is given to another. Mount Hall is to be his burial place. Moses strips Aaron of his priestly vestments. The inner tunic, the blue robe, one piece by one piece, the effort, the bejeweled breastpiece, the turban with the holy crown of pure gold on which it is written, Holy to the Lord. Moses strips Aaron of his priestly vestment one by one. Aaron died there on Mount Hall. He is gathered to his people. So here's bad news number two. No high priest. No highway. No high priest. No perfect high priest. You see, Aaron is unable even to save himself, much less the people of Israel. Even the high priest isn't spared the consequences of sin. The same is true of Eleazar. The same is true for all high priests that follow them. You see, in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, say this, God shows no partiality. He is no respecter of persons. He is no respecter of positions. God has no favourites. Moses wasn't spared. Aaron wasn't spared. Yet, before I bring even more bad news, which is not my intention this morning, let me encourage you, let us not lose hope. Let us not lose heart. Hardships from God seem like bad news on the outside, but the inside tells a different story. Remember this from the book of Hebrews. This is what God says when He brings hardships into your life. When He brings difficult things into your life, this is what Hebrews says, verse 7 and then verse 10. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 10. For earthly fathers discipline us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. You see, whatever God did to Israel, Whatever God did to Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and many along the way, because God desired to show Himself holy, but there is another inside story today. God desired to show His people holy as well. So He deals with them. 
God's holiness is bad news. For Israel, it meant hardships. That is why the Bible keeps preparing us. Today, we talk about persecution. The Bible keeps preparing us that the way to God is through hardships. Because we are not perfect people. There are still many flaws within us. There are still many areas in our life that is darkness. There are still a lot of things in our life we don't own up to God at all. So God has to deal with it. Because God will show Himself holy. And God will present before His throne of grace one day the holy people of God. So for Israel, for the church, that meant hardships. No highway. No high priest. God will not hesitate to discipline His people. But yet, God's holiness is also good news. Because this is what Hebrews say in verse 11. For a moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But it later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, it has to be very painful to Moses not to be able to walk into the promised land. He waited 40 years for that to happen. Finally, towards the end, almost there, he made the great mistake of dishonouring God and God withdrew his permission from Moses entering the land. Painful. Again and again, Moses pleaded with God, let me go in. In your mercy and grace, let me see the land. God said no. And at one point, God said, stop asking me that anymore because my answer is still no and will remain no. All of us know Moses died outside the promised land. But all of us are also aware that Moses, in the end, was inside the promised land because on the day of Jesus' transfiguration, he was there with Jesus on the mountain in the promised land. Painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So let us not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Let us not grow weary when reproved by Him. Let us not lose heart at the heavy hand of God. Let us instead be instructed by it. As you look at the outside, you ask the Lord this question, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me on the inside? What does it mean on the inside? Let us submit to God's training regimen. It is not going to be easy. It will be hard. But He disciplines you for your good so that He may weed out from you all that is offensive and abominable to Him so that He may replace it with holiness, blamelessness. For without holiness, no one will see God. You see, on Mount Hall, it, was, it is all bad news. No highway, now no high priest. The exit of a high priest prevent the exit of a high priest. Well, the reason why the high priest had to exit again and again because they are prevented from continuing because of sin and death. All of them are plagued by sin. So they must die. 
However, much later, as all of us are aware, I mentioned earlier as well, on another mountain, it is all good news. The entrance of a high priest who continues forever. The mountain is the Mount of Transfiguration. The high priest is Jesus Christ. And wonderfully, presiding that miraculous investiture is Moses himself. Moses was there on Mount Hall when he witnessed the death of his brother Aaron, the first high priest. And Moses was on, the, on another mountain where he witnessed the investiture of a high priest that will never die, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this high priest is superior in every way. Let me explain a few ways he's superior. His order is superior. Not of Aaron, but of Melchizedek. Not by physical ancestry, but by the power of an indestructible life. This high priest will never die. His obedience is superior. He is without sin. Unlike Aaron, unlike Eleazar, unlike all the high priests that follow, he is without sin. He is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. His office is superior. He is the mediator of a better covenant not by the blood of animals, but by his own blood. And lastly, his offer is superior. You see, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him. Jesus is superior to Aaron. His order, his obedience, his office, his offer. Jesus is gospel. He is good news, always good news. He is grace personified. He is great high priest. He is God's righteousness. He is God's redemption. He is God's spotless lamb. He is God himself. He never fails. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. After all, if I can say it, he's not only the great high priest, he's also the king's way. He's the way and the truth and the life because through him we will enter the new heaven and the new earth. So we can take heart. We can rejoice today because of Jesus Christ. Because this is a king, this is a high priest that will never fail us. Whatever your story may be, whether it started out badly and continues to be bad news, one bad news after another, take heart. If you trust Jesus Christ, if you fear Him with all your heart, if you commit your story to Him, Lord, here's my life. Let me surrender all to You. Take my life and let it be Yours. If you die to self, if you take up your cross and follow Him, if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, He will take care of the inside. Your outside may say bad news, 
Obviously, for some of us, by His grace, we have good news as well. But trust the Lord, because He's the great high priest that can never fail you. It will be good news, very good news, all good news, right at the end. So as you read the stories out there, as you read down, as you see them sharing a little bit of what is happening outside, and then their evaluation of what God is doing inside as well. Think about your own story. What about me? What is God saying to me today about my insight, about what He's doing in my very life, about how He will, in the end, bring me to what He promised He will bring us into when He went away to prepare a place for us. He said He will be back again so that we may be where He is. So let's trust the Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the High Priest that can never fail you. Let us pray. What is your story? If you were to write your story out, what is God saying to you about your story? What does the inside look like? Is Jesus the one you trust? Have you settled in your heart once and for all that here is a Savior I will follow all the days of my life? Will you trust Him with His permanent marker, with His eraser? He can erase and yet write that which will, in the end, result in blessing not only to you, but to your family as well. But first, you must learn to surrender all to Jesus. You must come before this great high priest who can never fail, who will never die. And say, Lord Jesus, I believe you. Lord Jesus, I know there are still many areas in my life that is offensive to you. Lord Jesus, when you search my heart, when you search the inside of my story, will you remove all that which is offensive to you? Reveal it to me so that I may understand how my story unfolds, so that I may cooperate with you and follow you, so that in the end, it will be all good news for me, no more bad news. In the end, I will be holy, no more unholy. In the end, I will be, unsta- I'll be unstained, no longer defiled. If this is your desire, brothers and sisters, guests, friends who are visiting us this morning, say yes to Jesus. Say, I will obey you, Lord. Say, I will follow you all the days of my life. Say to him, Lord, you take over my story you write it so that it will not be more more bad news but instead more good news to come Heavenly Father we give you thanks 
that you have revealed to us, O oh Lord, as we are reminded this morning, that we, are, that we are like grass that is here today, gone tomorrow. We flourish us like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and we are gone. You say, O oh Lord, that we are unworthy servants. You say those of us who do good things are still evil in heart and mind. You came to save the sinners. You came to rescue them out of darkness. You came, O oh Lord, so that all our lives will be good news and no longer bad news. But Lord, we have to trust you for this because your way for us need not necessarily lead us to smooth, easy-going ways. Sometimes it means persecution. Sometimes it means misunderstandings. Sometimes it means hardships. But we can trust you, O Lord, for Israel ultimately get to the promised land and one day the church ultimately will reach the new heaven and the new earth. So teach us to trust you, Lord. This morning, let us afresh again, afresh another time, say, you are my God and I'm your child. I'm yours forevermore. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. And let the people of God say, Amen.